Hi, everyone. It's Sunny, and welcome to a new mini-series here on We Gotta Talk, the Healthy Skin Series. In these episodes, we'll be talking about what it takes to get good glowing skin. Now, I am a certified beauty and skincare freak, and I know personally that good skin is so much more than skin deep. After experiencing bad acne in my 20s and doing everything from Accutane to antibiotics, I realized it was on me to learn as much as I could about my skin and my health. Thanks to an amazing esthetician and some really hard-earned knowledge, I finally cleared things up. And now it's time to share all of that good info and more with you. In this mini-series, you're going to hear from brand founders, experts in the field of beauty and health, and other people who are making news in the world of beauty and skin. I hope you enjoy these people I interview on this series as much as I've enjoyed talking to them. Now, let's talk healthy skin. I'm really excited about today's guest because chances are you have heard of one of her famous sort of cult favorite products. Allie Reed is the founder and a formulator at Stradia. Um, her background is in science, so she has a lot of knowledge when it comes to formulating products that perform and that have those powerful ingredients but aren't damaging or frustrating or irritating to the skin. And guys, I got a ton of requests when I posted on Instagram um, to bring someone on the podcast who can speak to just starting a good basic skincare routine. And Allie is here to do that with us today. Allie, thank you so much for coming on the show. Yeah, thank you so much for having me. I love that you pour your scientific knowledge into Stradia as well as your entrepreneurial knowledge. So tell us a little bit about your background and how that plays so well into what you do today with Stradia. Yeah, absolutely. I have always been a science person from day one. First, it was I wanted to be a paleontologist and then on a, you know, astrophysicist and then kind of landed on chemistry as as the field that really spoke to me. After I graduated college, I did absolutely nothing related to science, had a very millennial career path, kind of just jumping from thing to thing, um, and then ended up um, working as a copywriter at an ad agency, feeling supremely unfulfilled. And, you know, in my probably early to mid 20s, um, I also started getting really into skincare and skincare in particular really resonated with me because, for example, makeup is art, you know, it's a canvas and then it washes off at the end of the day, whereas skincare is science. It really, it, it can uh, affect how a biological organ functions. And I find that so interesting. So I started trying to learn as much as I possibly could about skin and skincare, how the skin works, how skincare is formulated, the interaction between the two, you know, what reasonably can I even expect my skincare to do? Um, I read, you know, peer-reviewed studies, dermatology journals, all sorts of things, trying to get as much information as I possibly could, found myself really well-educated on the subject and that it wasn't helping me shop for skincare at all um, because really all the information I was getting about how a product was formulated was what's whatever's trickling through the marketing department. So I didn't know that, did it use the right percentages, the right combinations, the right vehicle formulas that would reflect what, what I was finding in the studies. So I took my chemistry background, the research I was reading, feeling unfulfilled at my job, and I just started formulating my own skincare when I got home for the day. I um, just made a little mobile chem lab in my kitchen, um, much to my husband's dismay. Um, what does that look like? Are there beakers everywhere? Like give us yeah, the visual. <laughs> really? a, lot of, a lot of beakers put down the, the like medical exam paper, you know, oh so that gosh. would be covering all our countertops. 
<laughs> so I it was having a lot of fun with it, learning how to formulate my own skincare. Had a, ended up with a couple of products that I thought were really great. And so I just launched it on the side of my full-time job. I made eight bottles for launch day, just to really expecting it to be a nice little side hustle. They took off totally organically, just people loving it and buying it and telling their friends. So that was seven years ago. And now here we are. Wow. That it actually moved kind of fast considering it was such an organic start. I know that I personally first came across Stradia in social media. I don't know if, whether it was like a Facebook ad or something, but I can tell you I'm a very savvy shopper when it comes to skincare. And I, I like to think that although I'm not on the science side of things from the consumer perspective, I've tried just about a lot, uh, just about everything. And um, Liquid Gold, one of your star products, really grabbed my attention and my eye because not only of the amazing reviews that were coming in, but also what your line is based on, which is the concept, it seems to me, at least from my perspective, of nourishing the skin. I think there are a lot of products out there, and there is a, a need for this, I'm, I'm sure, that um, exfoliate or renew the skin or strip the skin in some way. And I know that those have their place. But in this era of my life, I'm looking to sort of replenish, and it immediately grabbed my attention for for ingredients that I felt like, okay, this actually, and since then have tried it actually would work. So, so tell us about like the magic of the ceramides and the fatty acids and all of these really nourishing ingredients that go into a lot of your products. Yeah. I think, you know, that really is true about Stradia products, about the way I formulate, cause I've formulated every single product we have, um, that, uh, I really want to think of your skin as an ally rather than an enemy that you're fighting. And I think, the science also backs that up. So if I can get a little deep in the science um, for a minute, uh, your, the outermost layer of your skin, your moisture barrier is sort of this bricks and mortar structure where the bricks are these flat, dead skin cells called um, corneocytes, and they are filled with keratin, which is the really tough, flexible protein that your fingernails are made out of. Um, so those are the bricks. And then the mortar holding it together is this mix of uh, ceramides, cholesterol, and fatty acids. And so that kind of keeps everything waterproof, keeps everything resilient, helps the skin achieve its main function, which is to keep the outside out and the inside in. Um, when you over exfoliate, if you use harsh cleansers, if you get a sunburn, there's sort of a lot of way, things you can do that will compromise that moisture barrier. And so if you think of a brick wall that's kind of like disintegrating and isn't great at keeping things out anymore, so liquid gold, which is kind of our flagship product, is formulated with ceramides, cholesterol, fatty acids, and the same ratios that they're found in your skin um, to mimic and reinforce that moisture barrier, to restore your skin to its natural, healthy, resilient state so that it can fight its own battles better. Yeah. So what were you noticing? And, and I don't, we don't want to like talk badly, of course, about other brands, but what were you noticing that wasn't there that Stradia was filling? And, and moreover, um, do you feel like this sort of nourishing trend in skincare well, is just that, a trend that seems to me, having lived through a couple of trends in the, in the world of beauty, that um, the vibe these days is so much more about barrier repair and respecting our skin's microbiome, et cetera. So can you kind of speak to that? Yeah, I think that um, Stradia in general is very anti-trend. You know, we, we are not going to be formulating with the latest super berry that was just discovered in the Amazon. You know, we, I, I am so devoted to the research and, and not just research, but, but what has the, the broadest depth of research and what is actually 
biologically and chemically going to make a positive impact on your skin. And that that isn't trend dependent. That's just that that's just science. And so I think I'm I'm glad that the trend right now is about barrier strengthening as opposed to, you know, put 30% glycolic acid on your face. Um, and it's possible it was that for a while. <laughs> oh gosh. Um, and I think that's why liquid gold, the, the barrier repair product got really popular was because it was <laughs> around the time that people were burning their skin off with all these acids. Um, but so it's possible that that will be a trend and, and we will move back and forth through different things. But um, I'm not super interested in following where those trends go as much as just making sure that these the products are formulated to stand the test of time, because no matter what the trend is, what's going to work is going to work regardless. Mm -hmm. What have you been hearing um, people and, and clients and customers say as feedback for the line, specifically liquid gold, but you know, any of the line, because like you said, they sort of all align with this sort of um, nourishing and caretaking way. So what have you been hearing back? Yeah, I mean, I, I, I am very, very connected with customer feedback. So both from when I formulate Formulating is kind of, it's a long trial and error process. You make a prototype and then it's not quite right and you reformulate. I have a list of about a thousand people who have signed up to volunteer to test prototypes. So when I finish a batch, I've got like, okay, I've got 10 samples, first come, first serve, they're claimed in like 20 seconds. Um, and then they give me feedback and I can iterate from there. I think that's really important because usually when a skincare product is formulated, the only people testing it are the product development team, you know, and so making sure that I have as broad a range of people testing it as possible of all skin types, tones, textures, ages, genders, making sure that it's working for everyone's skin, not just mine is really important. So when I launch something, it's because a lot of people have given feedback that this is, they can't think of any way to improve it. Well, people are um, going to ask how to sign up for that list, Allie, by the way. So can you just drop that? Is this like a customer thing or is this like a friend? No, this is for anyone. Um, so yeah. before I started Stradia, I was a skincare blogger talking about the science of skincare. I shared a lot of my, you know, product reviews as well as my experiments in, in formulation. Um, so that is the acidqueenblog.com. Um, and then you can find the sign up link there. Awesome. So, so do you still update that? Is it active? I really should. My marketing team wishes that I would, but I'm too busy. It's because it, like, I'm not, I've never been a person to do things halfway. So most of the posts are like 3000 words with, you know, a dozen sources at the end. So they would take, you know, weeks to write. And I, those were the days when I had the time to do that. Yeah. Well, listen, we're all for well-researched information, so we're never going to knock you for needing more time to put actual good stuff out there. Um, let's dive into a great basic skincare routine. Like I said at the top of the show, this is something that everybody really wants to know about. People in my age bracket, you know, the 30s, 40s, and, you know, lived through some of the... Uh, the sea breeze trends of the 80s, Noxema, the things we did to our skin back then were not so pretty. Um, and as a result, like we're confused, right? Like we've been told so many things about skincare over the years. So if we were to build, if you were to build a routine for someone in that stage of life around that age who says, listen, Allie, I just, I want good, clean, clear skin that's moisturized and that, you know, I look great when I wake up in the morning. Let's run it through stem to stern from cleanser on through treatments, what you would suggest. I, this is one of my favorite things to talk about. And I think it's also, 
there's no one size fits all skincare routine. Your skin is as unique as your fingerprint. So what I recommend is getting to know your skin, uh, like identifying your skin type and your specific skin concerns. Because for example, when I was first getting into skincare, everyone loved mud masks and clay masks. And so I used five different clay masks and was like, not, why are none of these working? Because I have extremely dry skin. Why would I need a clay mask if I have really dry skin? So I think knowing your skin is the key to less frustrating and cheaper skincare because you're not buying a bunch of products that don't work for you. Who can tell us that though, without having to, and I know of course going to a dermatologist is one way, but I think people are looking for, you know, something maybe they can do from in home or like what services or sort of points of contact do you suggest so people can get that information of what their skin is? It's free. I can tell you about it now. If you want more information, I wrote up a whole blog post that's both on the Acid Queen blog as well as stradioskin.com, um, sort of your skin types, uh, proclivities and conditions. Um, so first thing is to figure out your skin type. And that is sort of a base state that that is unaffected by skincare or anything. And that's dry, oily combination um, or normal. If you're one of the seven people in the world that has normal skin, congratulations. Um, and the way you can figure that out is wash your face with a gentle cleanser, pat it dry, and then don't put anything on and wait for two hours. If at the end of two hours, your face feels really tight, flaky, itchy, it's, you have a dry skin type, if it's really oily all over, you have an oily skin type. If it's really oily in certain places, like, you know, sort of around your nose or chin and then dry in others, that's a, I call it combination same face. So like parts of your skin. And if you have a very different result in July than you do in January, then you have seasonal combination skin. That's very um, dependent on the climate. So those are sort of, and then if you, your skin feels comfortable and fine, then you have normal skin. That's a really good point too. I am um, trying as I get older to sort of like let my skin sort of tell me what it needs. And I find that I only really know what state I'm dealing with if I cleanse usually at night, cause I'm kind of like a water, splash it on in the morning. But um, I'll like cleanse and like let it breathe for a couple hours and see what it's telling me. Because um, I think for the longest time, I was under the impression that I had a, like a totally different skin type and was over treating it as a result. But I, I love that you said that, like, give your skin a moment. Don't wash and slap something on, like, see what happens, see what it's telling you over the next couple of hours. I think that's really great advice. Absolutely. And then knowing, you know, I have super dry skin. And so I know I want to veer towards heavier products. I need to use a facial oil because dry skin underproduces oil. So supplementing with oils is really important. Whereas oily skin, maybe I think of it kind of like light layers, you know, that you might want a couple of hydrating serums and a gel cream, you know, things like that. Um, so that's figuring out your skin type. Next is figuring out any sort of conditions or what I call proclivities, things that your skin is more prone to than other people's. So that could be wrinkles, that could be hyperpigmentation, um, that could be um, breakouts, um, figuring out sort of, is your skin more prone to certain things? Um, and then there's also a specific skin condition that I think is really, really common, especially among people who are trying a lot of products or maybe using harsher products, which is dehydration. And that's very different from when you think dehydration, you think like not drinking enough water, which is your body actually drinking water has nothing to do with whether your skin is dehydrated. It's that damage to the moisture barrier that I mentioned earlier. And that's because 
that moisture barrier, one of the main things it does is prevent water from evaporating out through your skin. And so if it's damaged, more water is leaving your skin, which is why we call it dehydrated. And that, and what's so interesting about dehydrated skin is that it has this really wide range of symptoms that can be, or really can, you can think it's caused by something else when actually the root cause is dehydration. So one of the main things that you can see with dehydration is skin that is simultaneously really oily and flaky. And that's because your skin can overproduce oil to try to compensate for that damaged moisture barrier. Um, another thing is super sensitive skin. So even really um, basic moisturizers will sting. Um, and another thing is breakouts can often be attributed to dehydrated skin because your skin can't fight its own battles as well. And so bacteria is more easily able to enter. So really stubborn breakouts that don't respond to normal treatments. And that could be dehydration related. So identifying if your skin barrier is damaged, if you have dehydrated skin is excuse me, really, really important for um, making sure that you're using the right products. Okay. So we've got the skin sort of typing down and I, I'm going to link the quiz guys, which is on Stradia's website that can help you sort of figure out your baseline issues. And then we're figuring out if there's any additional conditions like a dehydration and then speak to like, you know, the cleansing, do you believe in toning, walk us through moisturizer, SPF, like if we had to pick one, and I know this is going to depend based on skin type and conditions, but if there were um, just some general recommendations you can make kind of in every category so that can people people can know even how to decide between the options in each one. Yeah. So I think any basic skincare routine has three pieces. So a basic skincare routine needs a sunscreen because that is the only product that if you don't use it could potentially kill you. So you need a sunscreen. Because you're wearing sunscreen, you need a cleanser because it creates that film on your skin to make sure it doesn't you know, move around during the day. So you need a cleanser at night to wash it off. If you're cleansing, you're removing your skin's natural oils in addition to the sunscreen and grime. And so you need a moisturizer. So you, a, a, the most basic skincare routine is sunscreen, cleanser, and moisturizer. Sunscreen, personally, I would recommend you look to Japan and Korea. Um, our, the FDA in the US is really, really dragging their feet on um, approving more advanced UV filters that, um, and, and Japan and Korea have uh, oversight that is just as rigorous, if not more so than the FDA. The products are really, really wonderful, several years more advanced than the US products, at least in terms of sunscreen. And they have these more advanced filters so they can be much nicer to use, much more lightweight. They just, they don't feel like the, you know, banana boat kind of spackle that we're used to. Oh yes. Uh, they can really just feel like a lightweight moisturizer or even just like a gel that disappears, you know? So I highly recommend looking um, to Japan and Korea for, for a sunscreen, a daily sunscreen that you don't have to think about. Um, cleanser, I'm, I'm gonna be <laughs> plugging Stradia products for the most part because if I developed it, I just because I think it's- Of course. Than the other ones. Um, I think, well, one thing that's important to know is that foam, like bubbles and foaming in cleansers is not, has nothing to do with its cleansing power. And in fact, there is a whole class of ingredients in cosmetic chemistry called foam boosters. They don't do anything for your skin. They don't do anything for cleansing. They're there to make the foam bigger and 
nicer feeling and more long lasting because consumers have this perception that foam is really important for cleansing. And so they want to make it seem foamier and nicer. It's actually not important for cleansing at all. That's crazy. Okay, wait, just really quickly speak to that from the chemical perspective, from the chemistry perspective. We always were under the impression that those little bubbles were grabbing onto little bits of dirt and like rinsing off all the, all the bad stuff. That is that is what's happening, but at a microscopic level. So even, I mean, technically, like if we think about, you know, the older generations using cold cream, which is really just a yes. moisturizer, mm-hmm. that's working in the same way as any cleanser. It's There are still those double-sided molecules where one side grabs onto oil, the other side grabs onto water so it can wash away. Um, so that's happening. Wait, yeah. It's, it's like double stick tape. I never had it explained to me like that before. Exactly. You want one side, that's what a surfactant is, which is the term for it. Um, one side binds to oil, so it gets the grime, it gets the sunscreen, it gets that oil-based makeup that that's more waterproof or water resistant. And then the other side binds to water, which is why it can wash away. Because, you know, if you just put like oil, straight oil on your skin, it'll dissolve everything and then it'll just be on your skin because it's really hard to take off. Oh my gosh, you're blowing my mind. And might I add that our grandmothers had great skin and all they used was Actually. cold cream. Cold yep. cream and olive oil in my family. So yep. do that. Um, okay, so that's good to know. And I think that helps people sort of decide, you know, what type of cleanser even, because I know that if I don't have to look for that foaming, people look for that foaming payoff, knowing that that's not a necessary part of getting a good cleanser is huge. Yeah, and Stradia has a non-foaming cream cleanser called Velvet Cleansing Milk, which is this really cushiony, nourishing cleanser Actually, the cleansing power comes from a water-soluble form of olive oil. Um, and so it's super nourishing, really gentle, gets everything off. It can get off makeup and everything, but it also does not, you don't want the squeaky clean feeling. The squeaky clean right. feeling is I've removed all of my skin's natural oils that you know that are important to keep in place. So it, you avoid that squeaky clean feeling. Really good, especially for sensitive, for dry, for aging skin. Um, so I highly, highly recommend that one. Obviously. Got it. Okay. All right. Let's work through the rest of the routine. So then you've got sunscreen, you've got cleanser, and then a moisturizer. This, the moisturizer you choose will be based a lot on your skin type. So oily versus dry. Oily, you're going to want to go more for a gel or a gel cream. Dry, you maybe want something more nourishing or richer cream. So um, Stradia has two moisturizers. There's liquid gold, which I mentioned, and that is sort of a, a serum lotion hybrid. So as a standalone moisturizer, really good for oily skin. We also have Interface, which is our peptide moisturizer, has a lot of really cool encapsulated peptide technology. And that's good for, you know, I would say um, somewhat oily to somewhat dry skin, including mm-hmm. normal skin. Um, if you have very dry skin, you may want to go for a heavier option like um, CeraVe moisturizing cream is a great one. It's available everywhere. It's super cheap. Um, and then a slightly more elevated version of that, I think, would be the First Aid Beauty um, Ultra Repair Cream um, is another really great one for very dry skin that can help, um, I think, help lock in a lot of your skin's natural moisture. Okay, great. Quick question too. Where, where do you stand on the morning cleanse, doing it versus not doing it? I know this is kind of like a per person thing, but do you cleanse in the morning? Just I do not. So I have dry skin. When I think about cleansing, I'm cleansing to remove makeup, sunscreen, pollution, the grime from the day. Um, so I'm obviously I'm doing that at night and then I cleanse my face. I do my nighttime routine. I get in bed and then I wake up. 
I have I have not accumulated any sunscreen, makeup, pollution, et cetera. I'm just lying in bed. So um, I just rinse with water until I've gotten off sort of last night's skincare products. That said, if you have more oily skin and you feel like you need to cleanse just to remove your skin's like excess oil, then mm -hmm. it's totally fine. I would still definitely recommend using a gentle cleanser, but I don't, I, I, I think it's it, totally not necessary to cleanse in the morning, but you can, if it feels better to you. Okay. Good to know. So we're just going to kind of, and that's what I do too. Like I sleep on a, on a cotton pillowcase. I know that's like, we shouldn't, we should be on silk, but you know, I have to do what works for my laundry schedule. But um, I do notice that like certain days I just can feel if it's like super tight. And then I know that I'm extra, extra gentle with it for the rest of the day. It's kind of like depends on how I sleep and all that stuff. So that's good to know that it's not mandatory to wake up and scrub our faces off every morning. Oh, absolutely. Okay. So we got that. What about toning? Do you believe in toner? I think toner, you know, I, I grew up, I'm 35. So I kind of grew up on the, the tail end of the whatever. Sea breeze. Sea breeze. Sea breeze trend. <laughs> it's like um, pure acetone on your face. I'm like, exactly. this must be working. My whole face peeled off. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, and in fact, I remember so much. I was an ad. I think it was more for Neutrogena, but there was an ad where a lady like washed her face and then pressed it to a piece of glass. And oh my gosh, look how much oil is still on it. Yes. That oil is good. That's That means your skin is healthy. You know, your skin is literally, your skin is oil-based. You, if you have no oils have on it. your skin, that's there's a condition called that and it's called eczema. Like you should, you should have some oils in your skin. So I think that that... That, that visual did a lot of psychic damage for me. <laughs> yeah, we were terrified. It, 80s and 90s kids were like terrified of yeah. anything like remotely oil-based. I'm so glad we are beyond that point, by the way. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> okay, um, so we can so we can I work think, that toner in kind of on a needed basis. I would say personally, I don't think you need astringent toners at all. You can address those concerns if it's hyper oiliness, see if it's dehydration related. Otherwise an ingredient like niacinamide is really good at regulating oil oil production. Um, if it's acne based, astringents are actually gonna make it worse because then you're, it's damaging your skin so it can't help itself as much. You wanna deal with that with more specific acne treatments. So I just stay away from astringent toners completely. Mm -hmm. Hydrating toners are great, certainly not necessary, but it can be nice to have another really lightweight hydrating step if that's that appeals to you. Okay. Got it. Now we're going to follow that up with a good moisturizer. I know we talked about a couple of your favorites and I know that on the site, you actually very helpfully bundle some of these products. So like the peptide cream and the liquid gold, like these are really good prices too, by the way, Allie, like, may I just add, thank you. Thank you for yeah. making this like relatively affordable because, um, things can get expensive. Yeah. And I think yeah. that that's really important to me. The reason we're able to do that is because I formulate it. We manufacture in-house in our facility in LA. Um, you know, we sell, we, like the, the life cycle of a product is in our building in LA. I formulate it at one side, it's manufactured in the middle and then shipped to the consumer at the other side. So oh. we don't have all those like different or like companies trying to build in their profit margin by doing all those pieces. So we're able to keep it super affordable. And I also just believe that I, I don't, I think skincare should be a, an accessible luxury. It's not just for the people with like crazy disposable income. It's for anyone with skin. 
Yeah. Tell me a little bit about that process. I know a lot of people are getting into the beauty space and there's some curiosity too, even from like the entrepreneurial standpoint of like how best to start a brand of some sort. How did you manage to get that all done in-house? Seven years isn't too long to exist to have that sort of ecosystem, that great ecosystem set up. Yeah. I think I got to where I am because I didn't know that what I was doing was the wrong way to do it. And now here we are. Like I wouldn't necessarily That's recommend awesome. this to anyone, but okay. I had, I'd never worked in the beauty industry. I didn't know how it worked. I, you know, I was creating skincare products from the consumer side. I was creating the products and the brand that I wanted to see as a consumer. And, mm -hmm. you know, so I was formulating my own products at the beginning. I could do it with just that chem lab setup that I was familiar with. And then I had to start to scale that a little bigger, get, you know, bigger beakers and things like that. And then I had to, oh, that's that's not even big enough now. So I actually, I at one point had a cattle trough delivered to use as my double boiler setup. Oh um, my gosh, that's hysterical. Just kept trying to figure out how to make it bigger, how to how to solve these problems. And now I sort of almost by accident have a full manufacturing facility with custom built you know, mixing vessels and things like that. Um, so it was it was a really difficult process that I was just figuring out on my own mm -hmm. that I would not necessarily recommend to people, but that worked out so well in the end. Yeah, that's awesome. I mean, do, does it, I don't want to say frustrate because that's the wrong word, but does it kind of like ping on your radar that beauty is like blowing up in such a huge way that like literally everybody wants to become a beauty brand founder? Are you just like, okay, guys, or are you like, okay, welcome to the space? I, I have no problem with people entering the space because I think there's still a lot of space for really well-formulated, effective products. I don't think that that is the majority of what's entering the beauty space. Um, and I think, you know, I think especially with celebrity brands for a long time, a celebrity brand was perfume, which is like, that's fine. You know, like you can smell it and, and a perfume just, it smells how it smells. Mm -hmm. Skincare, there's so much science and chemistry and biology in them that it is so much harder to enter and, and, and make products that actually work mm -hmm. and are safe to use and have a thorough like preservative um, system and, and all that kind of stuff that I just, I, I don't know why that became the default celebrity thing because it's so hard, you know, I, I guess, I mean, I, I, yeah. So, I mean, if yeah. it works, it works, but I, it's just a very, it's a very strange trend to me. Where do you land on the clean beauty debate? And you brought up the word preservatives, which immediately brought to mind the paraben debate. I'm like, oh, do we want these things in our products? Um, I respect that there are, you know, two sort of maybe even more um, perspectives on this conversation that both really feel strongly about how they feel for reasons. But where does Stradia land on that? And, and do you have any sort of um, deliberate attempts to like leave certain keywords out of your marketing because you worry that they might hit the customers in the wrong way? We, one of the adjectives that Stradia uses to uh, describe itself as uncompromising. And so we do not shy away from this debate and we come down very strongly on, I think, a pretty unusual side for a skincare brand, which is, I, I personally believe that clean beauty is built by brands on inaccurate science and on fear mongering in order to sell products. I mm -hmm. think I am devoted to 
the science to, you know, sort of the accurate actual science behind it. And let's use parabens just as a stand-in because that's one of the most maligned ingredients. Um, the science, there is no other preservative that has been as thoroughly tested and tested and tested as parabens because they're so controversial. They have been found to be completely safe when used in um, in skincare products. And, you know, for example, the link between parabens and breast cancer was based on a single 2004 study that had a lot of problems with it. But the most compelling problem, I think, they took samples of breast cancer tissue, they took samples of non-cancerous tissue, and then they also had just blank glass slides. All three of them found parabens, including the blank glass slide without any tissue on it. So to me, that says probably the glass cleaner the lab used had parabens in it. Like, how could you possibly... Oh, that's, I never heard it explained that way before. It's, it's baffling to me. And I think because the reason that I have a real problem with clean beauty from a brand perspective is because it is so easy to say paraben free, silicone free, whatever free, that it's like a marketing shortcut. If you're not talking about what your product is, how it works, why it's good for your skin. It's Mm a, it's a shortcut that capitalizes on what I think a really genuine and authentic fear from customers. Of course, you don't want to be causing harm to yourself or your loved ones. And so it's capitalizing on that fear to sell products, but brands should know better. They should, if they're making this claim, they should actually make sure that those claims are backed up and they absolutely are not. Parabens are totally fine. They're totally safe. I go into this a lot more. <laughs> on, uh, you know, I've got some like TikTok videos I've, I've recorded on, on specific, going into the specific science between different ingredients that are maligned. But I think at the end of the day, I find clean beauty is really inauthentic and um and also there's the difference of they're they're making claims about we're keeping you safe by not using these ingredients but instead they're using preservatives that don't work as well mm-hmm. and then their customers at risk of putting bacteria mold and yeast on their face and that's a real that's an actual danger that does happen quite often with clean beauty products and so to me i think the sort of like exotic danger of this ingredient is going to kill you and there's this huge conspiracy versus the mundane danger of your moisturizer or your concealer will get moldy and you'll put it on your face like that's I think the mundane danger isn't as sexy but it's much more realistic and should be a much bigger concern for formulators and for brands. Yeah, it's interesting because we're in the age of information and it can really cut in the in in the direction of anxiety and fear or it can cut in the direction of like proof and science and and I don't envy um a company's sort of burden to explain because that's a lot. And I mean, trying to convince someone of something and and look, we may all have our preferences on ingredients or things that we like or don't like just based on whatever, but um it does seem like in the beauty space these days, you better be prepared to sort of defend yourself on all of these really hot button issues because people may look at this as some sort of frivolous industry, but things get heated real quick in on the social media uh, stratosphere of, of beauty talk. I'm sure you've seen that before. Oh, absolutely. And, and I really, I, I don't necessarily even think of it as defending ourselves because if you decide like, I don't want to take the risk, absolutely more power to you. Like I, Stradia is not going to be for everyone. No brand is going to be for everyone. 
you can mm -hmm. absolutely make that educated decision. And if you decide, whatever you decide is, is your decision. What we view it as is, is education, that we want to create a better educated consumer overall who can make more educated decisions about their skincare, because that is sort of, I, I think of that as a form of empowerment, that, that knowing what goes into it, knowing what the actual research is, knowing why brands say the things that they do will help you kind of decode the market and make those educated choices. And if that educated choice you make is not Stradia, fair enough. And so we're not really here to def to defend ourselves. We're here to educate, to share knowledge and, and let you come to whatever conclusion you want. Yeah, I love that. Just briefly speak to people who may be buying skincare for their teenagers or their tweens or whenever people start using skincare these days. Um, I'm assuming that all of these are just as fit for a 12, 13, 14, 15 year old who's just dipping their toe into a good routine as they are the moms and dads. Yeah, oh, absolutely. I mean, you know, as I mentioned, I formulate for sensitive skin. So they're really, really gentle, um, really good for teen skin. I think one of the reasons that teen skin can be I mean, we all remember our skin during during puberty. Hormones play such a huge role in your skin. And so when your hormones are going crazy, your skin is reflecting it. Um, so I think it, that can be a really good time to get into skincare and especially establish a really um, consistent skincare routine because consistency is one of the best things you can do for your skin. Yeah, that's interesting. So you do encourage parents to start to look into this like preemptively or like when you're talking to people who are like, you know, I have a daughter who her skin is is fine for now, but I'm starting to see a little congestion around the nose or I'm starting to see her have a, a little hormonal breakout here and there. Like it's you encourage them. Hey, like, let's let's get you something set up. I, I encourage the teens who are looking for for skincare who say I, I am concerned about these things and I would like to start addressing them. I think. Yeah. We have, especially as women, we have so much of our lives ahead of us to be uh, self-conscious about our appearance. I definitely don't encourage starting that any sooner than it needs to. <laughs> Allie, oh my God, I know, I know. I have yeah. a son and two daughters and already it is impossible to not be poisoned by the expectations of I don't want to say the P word, but like the patriarchy a little bit. I'm like, oh my God, you know, just because I'm aware of all these things, like, do I, do I bring my daughters into this world before they have to even think about it? It's just a whole thing, you know, yeah. it's no, really it's fun. Whole thing. It so is a whole I wouldn't, thing. I definitely wouldn't recommend going to your child and saying, I noticed your skin is bad. Here are some products. Cause that's going to do some damage. But oh. if your child says, I would right. like to start using skincare products. Obviously consult with, you know, a pediatrician or their doctor to make sure that, you know, that, that, that that's okay. But right. um, yeah, Stradia products are all really super gentle, really good for, for even sensitive skin. Yeah, that's good to know. Okay, before we wrap, Ali, anything exciting coming up with Stradia or anything that we can look forward to in the, in the coming months happening with the brand? We do have some exciting stuff coming up that is not close enough that I can talk about it yet, but please, yeah, follow us. We're on Instagram and TikTok very often at Stradia Skin. Um, I do a lot of science education there. We take you behind the scenes into the manufacturing facility, like even our um, content creator, Saika, every Tuesday morning goes to uh, goes to our manufacturing section of our facility and does a TikTok live for a couple of hours just so you can see how the product is made as it's filled, answer questions. So 
follow us on social media and that way you'll also get all those fun announcements once we can start announcing things i love that i love a good behind the scenes moment everybody likes to see how the how the sausage is made so good 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 how the skincare is made i should say (laughs) in this case um ali thank you so much for spending time with me today i really appreciate it yeah thank you for having me All right, guys, and thank you for listening and or watching to this episode of the Healthy Skin Series. At the moment, these are coming out just about every two weeks in addition to the regularly scheduled content on We Gotta Talk. So you can pop back every so often and just know that we will be bringing on some amazing people to speak to the topic of healthy skin. Thank you so much for listening to this episode of We Gotta Talk. Don't forget to rate, review, and subscribe and follow along on Instagram at Sunny Abata, S-O-N-N-I, A-B-A-T-T-A. All of the latest blog posts are at wegotatalk.com slash blog.